On episode 338 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn how to structure your tennis workouts with Nathan Martin. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the show. And today we have Nathan Martin as a guest on the podcast. He was actually a guest on the show on episode 119, so way back a while ago. But Nathan has also been on my tennis summits for the past several years, and with good reason. Uh, he does a lot of great work and produces a lot of great content over at Tennis Fitness with his wife, Giselle Martin. And they've worked with numerous ATP and WTA players, such as Leighton Hewitt, Martina Navratilova, Sam Stozier, Monica Sellis, Jennifer Capriati. And Nathan has also been a head tennis trainer at the renowned Sanchez Casal Tennis Academy in Barcelona. He specializes in strengthening and conditioning tennis players. And yeah, they just have a very deep knowledge of tennis fitness. And that's why I brought Nathan on to do a live stream a few days ago, actually. Uh, it was really fun. Asked him a bunch of questions and it was really, really helpful. During the, uh, the discussion, I took a ton of notes and I'm really excited to you know, be able to write down all this really helpful information about how to structure your workouts, what characteristics we should be focusing on, um, specific exercises that we can do, talk a lot about movement and agility, how to prevent injuries, you know, plyometrics, uh, strength exercises, answered a lot of questions from the audience. Well, Nathan did that, dutifully listened and tried to uh, absorb that information. And, you know, how to split your, your workouts during the week. So really great stuff if you're interested in improving your fitness. And, you know, as they say, if you can't get to the ball, then you're not going to be able to hit a good shot, right? So that all comes from your mobility, strength, speed, power. And this is exactly what we're talking about. And we're trying to help you to improve all those characteristics. Uh, so I really hope that you'll enjoy this episode, this interview slash Q&A with Nathan Martin from Tennis Fitness. So without further ado, here it is. Hey, everybody. We're here. We're live with Nathan Martin from Tennis Fitness. He's trained a lot of amazing players. You might have heard of Leighton Hewitt, maybe Monica Sellis or uh, Sam Stozer. But <laughs> um, it's really a pleasure to have you, Nathan, uh, on. We've you know had you on some summits before and you do a lot of great stuff, you know, amazing fitness um, you know, content and programs. So, um, yeah. How are you doing? <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm actually on on a bit of a break at the moment. I'm in a bit of a remote area in Northern Queensland in Australia. And uh, I've just been out training, but we just had a big storm come through. 
Um, so I've yeah, just jumped back inside, back inside to to reach out to everyone and say a quick hello and yeah, get some questions answered for you guys. Awesome, wonderful. Yeah, thanks for bearing with us, everyone. And yeah, don't worry, Nathan. I, I told him about the the situation, but yeah, hello to Peter, Omar, Shuba. Um, good seeing you all here today. So, I guess Nathan, I'll I'll kick it off with some questions, and obviously everybody yeah. can feel free to to you know ask to ask away, but. I guess what are the top few principles that tennis players should keep in mind when they're thinking about their tennis fitness? Uh, look, depending on what people's goals are, really, and you know, age brackets, and if, if we're talking about high performance or talking about young players or that middle age bracket, um, goals are really important. Uh, once once you have a goal, you've got a target to move towards. And then it's just a matter of thinking, hey, what, what do I need to set up to help me move towards my goals? Because most of the time, what, we, what I find when I mentor players, it's they're doing things that are moving them towards their goals, but they're also doing things that are moving them away from their goals. And they're the things we need to prioritize. And most people generally know when they're honest with themselves and they start going through a goal setting process, they they'll realize hey i need to do this better if i want to reach this point this is what i need to do better um but if we're talking if if i can generalize for a moment um i'd like to do that and just give you some feedback on what i find helps most players generally and that is um we look at a couple of different areas of our physicality so if we look at our flexibility and mobility so how how that is 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 at optimum levels enabling us to be able to play as best we can. So we've got flexibility and mobility, we've got strength. Um, so everyone should be doing um, some form of strength training every week, even if it's just once a week. And then the third area, it's what we call our movement-based training. So, you know, speed and agility, um, endurance, you know, our anaerobic capacity, be able to go up to high intensities and come back down. Tennis is a power endurance sport, so you need to be able to come up and come back down for hours on end. So when we go back to talking about goals and we look at those three areas of strength, um, flexibility and mobility, strength and, and movement, then we think, okay, what areas do I need to improve out of those three areas the most? Set some goals around that and move towards them. Gotcha. Awesome, Nathan. In terms of setting the goals, like, can you give us maybe a concrete idea of like how we should go about setting the goals? You know, I know there's like concepts like smart goals and like, you know, how specific do you want to make it? Things like that. So what do you usually advise your clients to do in terms of setting these goals for these different characteristics? Great question. So I, uh run a system called the fast track academy with a lot of young it's, it's predominantly for young players and within that i use the smart goal system um, with okay. them and i use it because it's so readily available you you know anyone can google it and find information about it and it obviously works so and it's it's a really easy model to follow particularly for younger players uh, you know, as we get older, it's depending on how people are, are orientated. You know, some people are happy just to write something on a whiteboard at home and move towards that. Some people want to be quite detailed and break things down into weeks and, and be able to tick a lot more boxes off. But the SMART goal system, Nevan, that works, in my opinion, really well for people. And it's a pretty easy process, pretty, you know, explained very well how, how it works and how you can utilise it. 
Yeah, awesome. I'm just putting it in the chat. I mean, you know, smart goals refer to specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time bound. So, you know, goals with yeah. those, those characteristics. And, are and, great. and on that, a, a really important part, and this is where a lot of people miss out and, and don't probably maximize, you know, the, the system as well as they can when they're goal setting, it's accountability. It's, it's having a coach or a partner or a friend involved. And once you want to set a goal, then it's just a matter of saying, hey, this is what I want to do. Either get them to help you set the SMART goal or say, this is what I've set for myself. I need you to keep me accountable by doing this, this and this. And then you almost got someone that, you know, is checking in with you and they're, they're pushing you along a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. And then, you know, in terms of those, those different areas that you mentioned, Nathan, you know, flexibility, mobility, strength, uh, slash movement, like how do we decide, like how much of each do we put our efforts towards? I mean, is it kind of like a self-assessment sort of thing, or is there like a general rule that you like to, you know, use with your clients? Yeah. Great question. Great question. Uh, look, it's always good. Most people, I think, will know what areas they need to improve. If we're talking about players, you know, in that 40 age bracket and above, everything starts to slowly decline at at that point. So we need to be working in all the areas. But generally, I would say as a focus point, it would be mobility, flexibility and strength. And I'll tell you why. Because if our our body's mobile and, and flexible and we can get down and get into certain positions on the court, we're not overloading like a restricted range of movement. We've got the ability then to be able to work and move through nice open ranges of movement. So A, we're preventing injury. B, we're improving performance just from doing that. As we age, we start to get tighter. Okay, And then we add the strength component in. Then we're talking about deloading. So a lot of injuries occur from the stopping nature of playing tennis. It's stopping on hard surfaces. And a lot of load comes through the joints of our body. And if the muscle's not strong enough to take and absorb a lot of that load, the joints get really worked hard. So there would be my two focus areas for most, for most players. And then, you know, obviously the movement base, it's, it's really important that people are doing some work in that space as well because that's going to, you know, help them perform their best. Yeah, most definitely, Nathan. But And then so, like, let's say, you know, we're, we want to create, like, our our fitness routine. Like, yep. um, I mean, do you, do you work on you know, each of those, like, you know, a different one each day or like, and then also as far in terms of like percentages as well. I mean, you know, roughly, obviously, like, is there like a formula that you want to use for each one? Yeah, sure. Um, Flexibility and mobility to to generalize it, people should be doing that at least three times a week as a minimum. And when I'm talking about mobility and flexibility, they're, they're both two different areas that both help our general well-being with our, with our movement. I'll explain them both quickly. So mobility is more about a chain of movement. So think about like um, preparing to serve. So you're extending your arm, you put your elbow back, you rotate your torso and your back goes into extension. So we want to get the body used to doing those movements all together in a controlled environment. So that's more what mobility is. It's like a chain of movement where flexibility, in my opinion, I'm talking more about um, static stretching, so just holding a hamstring stretch or holding a tricep step stretch, for example. Um, so those two areas there, people should be doing them at least three times in the morning. I always encourage people to do mobility 
uh, in the morning. So mm. first thing, either first thing to set themselves up for the day or before they jump on court to play, uh, they'd run through a range between seven to 12 exercises I typically get people to do. And then at the end of the day for, you know, we call it some recovery protocols, we get them to go through and do more of the flexibility and the stretching. So that's three to five times a week. Yep, for those two areas. Um, strength generally twice a week and we want to separate our strength sessions out. You never want to do um, strength on a Monday and strength on a Tuesday. We generally want to go, if we're doing it twice a week, we'll go strength, say, on a Tuesday and possibly on a Friday, um, aiming for two sessions a week. And our, and our movement, we want to look to do that twice a week as well. Mm. Um, our movement-based training. So that gives you a pretty comprehensive. You've got the four uh, actual workout sessions and then you've got the three to five mobility and flexibility sessions. That's an ideal world for someone that's playing, you know, at a, a 3.0 or, you know, a, a 4.0 sort of level. Um, yeah, that's going to work well for them. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love it. And yeah, I know that the title obviously today is like the top exercises. And I know that we, we're going to have like a little bit of different setup and the, the storms got a bit unlucky uh, yeah. with it. But but focusing kind of on the strength and, you know, if you want to as well, movement, really any aspect, Nathan, I was wondering if, you know, you could kind of tell us what are some of these the, the exercises that you really think really would help like the vast majority of, let's say, adult tennis players, you know, 3-0 to, yeah. to 5-0. Yeah. Yep. All right. Great question. So what we want to look at is the game of tennis. So that's what we're trying to improve. And if we look at it and break it down, you know, a, a large amount of our movements through a lateral plane. So up to potentially 70%. So we want to try to orientate our sessions, take bearing that in mind, right? That's, that's a smart thing to do. Um, so a lot of our movement, we want to not only be focused on lateral movement, but we also need to think, hey, we also need to, to help prevent injuries through that movement if that's the movements we're moving through a lot. So the way we, we, we do that, um, I generally will start players off doing like lots of foot speed work. And what that's going to do, it really starts to heighten the nervous system. So it starts to really almost like overload our connection from our brain down to our central nervous system down to our moving parts. So we start the sessions off lots of, you know, foot speed, get the body really moving quick, get everything heightened. So we want to get everything stimulated and excited to want to actually exercise. Um, and then from there, you know, it's a great idea. Then we move into more um, some agility exercises. And these are always have to be multi-directional. Okay, when mm. we're talking about agility. So agility training, it's, uh, we break it down into two different areas. There's reactive and then there's non-reactive. So non-reactive um, is more when we say, okay, here's four cones. Um, here's, a few, here's a drill that you're going to do running around the cones. We're going to time it for 20 seconds and then you're going to rest for 40 seconds. It's controlled. Um, person knows what they're doing. So there's no reaction component involved with it. That's great for people to be able to do if they're trying to improve like a certain part of their movement and they want to really focus on improving, getting back from, you know, hitting a wide forehand, getting back to the centre of the court, for example. Mm -hmm. Then we look at like more reactive agility, okay? So that's more like when you've got someone pointing to you or you're doing something, you're starting with your eyes closed and you open them up and then, you know, you're moving to some form of stimulus. So whether it's like, 
someone calling something, someone pointing, there's something flashing or you're moving to coloured cones, something along those lines. And that's a great way, that's sort of the next step up from non-reactive agility because uh, that's more tennis specific, right? Like we can track the ball once we hit it and we can think we know where the ball's going to go. We get a good general idea of what someone's going to do with the ball, but we never know 100%. So we always need to be reacting at some at some capacity. Um, so we want to break it down into the foot speed, the agility, and then I always like to finish ses sessions off um, doing some plyometrics, so some more power-orientated exercises um, like lateral bounds and squat jumps and single leg hops. And what we do in this part of the session, it's to work more on our fast switch fibres, on our acceleration, um, that real dynamic capacity. But not only that, our body's already in like a, a semi-fatigued state from the other two areas that we've worked our way through. So what starts to happen then is when we're, we're working more dynamically and really lifting our body weight and then we're landing, we have to absorb that load. And like I said before, if in my opinion, a, part, a really important element of training and where a lot of people miss out, it's not focusing on the deloading component or the stopping on coordinates where a lot of injuries occur. So it's great to finish off doing that at the end of the session because then it really challenges our body with those slowing down mechanics. Wow. Well, I love this. This is great. I, I don't know if you could tell, but I was actually looking down because I've been typing a, a lot of notes on okay. this. So even though I know I have the video for later, I just like, well, I want to type the notes. But um, this is, yeah, this is great. So so I got some um, follow-ups, obviously. So I guess with the, with the reactive component, it sounds like arguably the reactive um, training would be, is, is better for tennis players than the non-reactive? Okay, nodding your head. Yeah, good. I'm glad I got that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then so it seems like that would be tough to do with if you were just by yourself or are there some tools or some other like ways you can you can still do that reactive training by yourself? Yeah, it is tough. You can use something like a reaction ball. Um, ah, I'm not right. sure if you saw it, seen one of those before. It's like a, a ball in the middle and it's got all little nodules around it. People can throw that up in the air. There's, you know, we've got, you've got those lights available now. We've got some lights called Fit Lights. They're they mm. one of the first on the market. We bought them about 10 years ago. I think they cost us like $5,000 at the time. <laughs> and now, you, now you can buy a similar version. I forget the name of them off the top of my head, but they're like $500. And they're fantastic. I'm not sure if any, I'll just explain really quickly how they work. So the ones we've got, we've got like a tablet, so I can create any program I want via the tablet. I can activate however many lights that I want. And basically I can place them on a wall, I can place them on the ground. And once I trigger them and start it, a player then would have to move towards one of the flashing lights. They're like so about sort of that size. And they either swipe their hand, swipe a racket over them, something like that. And then that sort of disengages the light then they move to the next one so the lights can just alternate depending on how I set them up um, they're a great way for people to to work on you know their you know their re reactive component um, but I always find it's best you know who doesn't like working out with someone else or having you know a coach or someone do these things with you um, for sure it, it, it's fantastic then I think it's the best way because you get feedback as well, especially if you're doing one person working, one person resting. That's I just love doing that sort oh, of yeah. training because, you know, you can push each other really hard and you think, oh, if I push Merban really hard here, he's going to push me hard and <laughs> let's go for it. And that's, you know, it, it, it's fun and exciting.
Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Love that. And then, you know, I know I'm getting like pretty granular, I guess, but like in terms of, you know, you you had mentioned the different, um, you know, different exercises, different ways to go about it. You know, you foot speed, then agility, and then plyometrics at the end. Yep. What do you think would be a an acceptable and like you know maybe like eighty twenty sort of uh, in terms of like time amounts like you know like yeah. for example you know ten minutes each or whatever something like that yeah. like what do yeah, you think? Sure, from a neural perspective, say our nervous system, foot speed and agility, you're not going to get too much more out of yourself after about thirty minutes, mm. and that and that's including with your rest time in that. So we're probably looking at about ten to fifteen minutes. Your body's gonna, your, your nervous system's just gonna start to get a bit, a bit gassed out. Um, mm-hmm. That's what that that's that's what I found from like all the, you know, the the testing and all that that I've done with players and sort of the, the data research sort of backs that up. But um, so yeah, I think thirty minutes of you know foot speed, eight to ten minutes, and then agility, you know, up up around that sort of 15, 15 minute mark, fifteen to twenty minute mark. Um, and then plyometrics um, training, I mean, that's that's a little bit different. It depends if you're trying to work more on like what, what we call like power output. So just like one explosive movement and then having a long rest. We, we can do that a little bit long because we're having long rests in between. Um, but the programming that we typically set up for people that they can, you know, they can, they can get online, we generally do it more power endurance based because that's the nature mm. of the game. So we want to set people up and, and train them through how they're going to perform. So they'll work for, say, 20 seconds and they might rest for 30 or 40 seconds, and they'll mm. do that off and on for about 15 minutes. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. And and so, yeah, we've covered the movement part, which is, you know, fantastic. It gives a great platform for people to start training. And, you know, you mentioned some great exercises as well. I was wondering about the strength part of it. I really enjoy that myself. Yeah. So yeah, I guess what what should we be thinking about there in terms of like how we should structure our, our workouts? Yep, great question. So if someone's got access to a gymnasium, we're already one step in front. If people don't, that that's okay as well. We can still do a lot of body weight exercises. And I generally find most players um, in that middle age bracket in particular, uh, they want to sort of spend more of their time on court. So they'll generally be happy to do some off-court training, um, you know, not, not inside a gymnasium. And for people that do, yeah, look, there's, there's a lot they can be doing in there. But I consider um, a couple of key areas that people need to be focusing on. I'll explain to you a bit of the ethos behind our strength, our strength um, training that we, that we do. So we break it down into a couple of different areas. So we look at what we call a squat pattern. So anything to do, you know, I'm pretty sure most people watching this will know what a squat is, but anything that we do, squatting down, like almost like sitting down onto a chair, that's a squat. So that's our key, one of our key components for our strength platform. Then we've got a lunge, which is obviously super specific for tennis. Lunging, so it's just like an extended walk and then dropping your back knee down to the ground. Definitely, in my opinion, one of the most important areas that needs to be trained from a strength perspective. Then we've got what we call a bend or a hinge. So that's mm-hmm. whenever we're taking the upper body and we're bending that forward, and that's really working on what we call our posterior chain. So back, lower back, glutes, and hamstring. Vital that we're working that movement as well. And then we move to the upper body. So we've got what we call like a, 
a push pattern, so anything more through the front, what we call our anterior chain, so chest, triceps, and shoulder. Um, then we've got a pull pattern, so pulling back, so working through the back of the muscles. We've got a press, so anything generally above head, which is so important for tennis players, particularly as players start to age as well. We need to keep our strength good above our head. It's the because we've got such small muscle mass around our shoulders compared to the rest of our body. As our strength starts to decline, we're going to be a lot more open and problematic to shoulder injury. So we need to keep that strength range really strong. Very, very important to take away from this from this time together. Um, and then we've got a rotational pattern as well. So working on our rotation. So we sort of pull all those elements together. So if someone had one session a week to do in the gym, I would encourage them to do uh, pick an exercise that works on a squat, that works on a lunge, that works on a bend that works on a push, works on a pull and works um, a press and a rotation. Mm. So there's seven areas there that, that people need to, to focus on and it's, it's pretty easy to find. I mean, you've, you've checked out what we do online and um, you've got a little promo going at the moment too so people can check, check out some of the stuff we do and we, we generally, you know, ticking all those boxes in the strength programs. Awesome. Awesome. And yeah, definitely Nathan, I'll talk about, um, you know, all the great stuff you're doing yeah. and there's a great program that, um, you know, I've been, uh, spreading the word about tennis speed, agility yeah, and power yeah. program. So I'll, I'll link yeah. that up pretty soon, but yeah, that's great stuff. And then, so you said for, if it was one X a week, then you would just pick one exercise per each of the categories you mentioned, uh, which would be about seven. And then if we were doing it two times a week, would you still do the same one exercise each or would you like change it up a bit at all yeah look people we, we talk about in the industry like splitting programs so people could do like a lower body program one one day and they might incorporate the rotation pattern into that and they might add like two squat patterns two lunge patterns two bend patterns and two rotation patterns um, and then they'll do the same for the upper body uh, when when they ran through that session now it, it, once again, let, we'll go back to like individualizing things. So I'm just sort of generalizing this. So yeah. what's really important for people to understand is um, you you need to start to work out where your strengths and weaknesses are, what areas of your body you need to focus on, where are you tight. Generally where you're tight, it's generally where you need to strengthen as well. Mm. So it's really important, first of all, work out, okay, and whether that's a case that you need to go and see somebody to do some form of an assessment and then get the feedback and then you can work your way from there. It's very important because otherwise we're going to end up probably doing the same things and generally what happens is we end up doing what we're good at and what we like doing rather than what, hey, I'm not great at this and this is going to make a huge impact on my game if I can sort it out. So let's get stronger and more flexible here and let's move better in this area and it'll improve. So you can split the days up. Um, if people wanted to train twice a week, they could do that, that, that workout that I sort of went through originally for the strength, the strength training. They could do that twice a week as well. Hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. It's a very interesting thing you said that I was thinking about myself and I said, that is <laughs> bang on. But um, why is it that like where you are tight um, equals where you need to strengthen? Like, what does that signal? Well, strength holds, you know, the stronger the muscle is, the healthier it is, right? So if it's, if it's not strong, it's, it's, it just gets tight to almost just protect the body. So, you know, everyone's going to have different, what I call different tension patterns throughout their body 
So myself, for example, my back is, I've got quite a flat back and I know from experience that if, if I, as soon as I look at an athlete and I go, okay, this person's quite lordotic, which means that their, lord, their lower back curvature in their spine is quite pronounced, um, they're going to be tighter in, a, in an, a, a different area than someone that's got a flat back. So there's all these different things that you pick up as a trainer. Um, so for me, I typically carry a lot of my tension in my hamstrings because of my flat back mm. where if someone's more lordotic and they've got more of a, a curve in their spine, it's going to want to lean them over. They're going to be more tight in the front, the hip flexors and the quadriceps. Yeah. So if, if someone's more uh, a shorter, more power, powerful athlete, you know, they're going to be potentially carrying tension differently than someone that's more long and lanky. Um, then we've got, you know, there's, there's many different, um, things that 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 affect it um but yeah that's just sort of explaining a little bit of, of that to you yeah and no, i appreciate that witness history at roland garros where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground tennis channel plus is your place to watch stream every court from your phone or smart tv live in hd Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. It's interesting that that you mentioned, you know, even one time a week can can really help you out because I think mm. I've heard and, you know, it's probably like myth and whatnot, but like some people say you got to work out at least X time a week. So like even doing once a week of this program, you know, along with the other stuff that you mentioned can still you, you could still get gains like doing it one time a week. Yeah, well, look. If we talk about even like muscle mass, so what we call hypertrophy training, which is putting muscle on. Okay. So there's some bodybuilders that will only train twice a week. Not, not, not a lot of them, but there are some that train yeah. twice a week and they get, their, they get two big sessions in and then they get, you know, a big chunk of rest time in and they get fantastic results. And I'll just explain something really quickly to you, right? So as you mentioned before, I was really lucky to work with Leighton Hewitt for, for close to 10 years. So that guy's yeah. a, a freaking physical beast, right? Like just this... <laughs> What he, what he could do and over time I worked out as I matured as a trainer as well, I worked out that, you know, we all have different body compositions. So Leighton had the ability, if, if I typically at the start of a preseason, I would have um, him, myself, maybe two or three other tennis pros and then I'd always bring in other professional athletes to come and train with. Everyone wanted to come and train with Leighton so I could get you know, some other celebrity athletes to come and, and Leighton used to love it. Everyone loved it. What I would find early on in the preseason would be like a lot of stairs, a lot of hills, um, a lot of cross training, brutal training, like two, three-hour sessions, right, preparing him for the Australian, the Australian summer. And what I would find was the first day, Leighton would be middle of the pack, maybe even at the, at the back of the pack. So if there was, say, mm. six of us. The next day he'd be in the middle. The third day, he'd be at the top. The fourth day, he'd be at the top. The fifth day, he'd probably be, there would only be one or two or maybe three people still showing up. Dang. So, you know, he and I was like, this dude's just like from another planet. And <laughs> then and people just couldn't, people just couldn't do it. And I don't even think there'd be many players on the tour now that could do what he used to do. Right. But then I look at on the other end of the spectrum, 
Um, I was, at the same time, I was training a player called Casey Delacqua. So Casey mm-hmm. got to top 20 in singles, number one in doubles, best friends with Ash Barty. And Casey, we trained her for about 10 years as well. And Case was very interesting because she could do one big session every two or three days. So, mm. you know, I had to really moderate what we did with her and make it a lot more specific, condense the time, not do too much volume with her. And once again, we come back to individualizing things. Yeah. What I can do, someone else might be able to, but their strengths are going to be in, 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 in other areas. And it's very important that we start to work out what body types we are because you're going to get people out there watching this who play and they go, oh, how come Hank can play five days a week and I can only play twice? Damn Hank's Hank. body composition is different than you. And I'm guessing that Hank probably also is doing some extra things, some extra training, some extra flexibility, maybe even a bit of strength work to, to, to help him out too. Hank the Tank, man. Hank that the guy. Tank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Love it. Great. Well, I'm going to go to some uh, some questions here that we got. So let's see. Shuba is, is um, commenting, please advise a 75-year-old female tennis enthusiast playing tennis for five years injury being a major concern so kind of a broader question about injuries i guess but any thoughts on yep. that hey sure but great question and awesome to hear from you thanks for thanks for uploading that um i think just everything that that we've discussed so far will help so you're just making sure that you're doing some mobility in the mornings you're doing your flexibility stretching um in the evenings you're getting at least one strength session in a week and you, you know, you're, you're getting some movement-based training in, in as well. Um, for me, it's a bit of a no-brainer, honestly. It really is. Um, if you're doing those, if you're working in those areas, I'm not going to say you're never going to get injured, but your risk of injury is, you know, so much lower. So I'd say probably up to seventy percent lower if you're doing those, working wow. in those three areas. Oh, that's um, and I, I've, obviously, I'm not sure what injury you're trying to prevent here as well. So I'm just sort of generalizing for you. Right, right. Now that makes sense. Awesome. Um, let's see. Uh, so we got Elliot. Um, are there any YouTube videos available for the top 10 exercises? Great question. We have on our, or Mayban will be able to flick you through some information, but we do have like seven of our favorite exercises that you'll be able to t- be able to check out yeah and we've we've also got um you know some free programs and things like that but mayban can get some information to you guys at some stage to help out with that yeah yeah definitely and i just want to post right now um you know i was um promoting a, a program um well, i am like this week one of nathan's yep. great programs called uh, tennis speed agility and power and uh, a ton of you have picked them up already actually Ooh, so um, i can well. track track obviously yeah so the link should be there um let me just make sure that the link works i'm gonna post it in one more time but yeah so it's great stuff and um yeah you know like we mentioned um nathan and and giselle as well have been training like all these amazing wta and atp pros and so um Mm. definitely worth checking out the programs that you have there so yeah let's see what else we got here we got ernest how's it going oh go ahead Ernie, oh, that's yeah. all good. Seven-year-old right. teaching pro, interested and helpful. Great question. So, uh, okay, so you're a tennis pro coach, yep. Um, yeah. Oh, look, I think uh, this, I, I could, Ernie, I could speak to you literally for, for hours and hours about uh, about this. Uh, I'm not sure what, what age of players you're working with. Um, look, I spend 
a majority of my time working in the junior space now and also in that middle age bracket. I don't, I'm not spending a lot of my time working with pros because I've been there, done that. It's a whole other beast. I don't want to be traveling on the road and uh, it can be problematic working with pros as well. It, it's a bit of a fickle process. But yeah, so, you know, working with younger players, it, it, it really is my passion now. And also because I'm 48 myself, I love helping players out in my age bracket as well because they, I know this is starting to get hard. How can I, how can I um, impact it? So I won't jabber on. I'll just sort of try to help you um, with, with answer your question here. Um, I think just getting a good understanding of how you can help them physically is really important. I don't think as, as tennis coaches, we need to worry about being experts um, as fitness trainers. You guys can leave that to us and, you know, we leave the coaching to you guys. That's sort of my opinion. I don't definitely don't go into the coaching world and try to tell a coach what to do. Um, I think, in my opinion, coach is king. I think that they're the head of the ship and it's important for you all as coaches, if you are coaches watching this, to get a good understanding about what you need your players doing from a physical perspective. Um, so, you know, you need to be getting them to be aware that they need to, to, to stretch and be, and be mobile and that they need to do strength training and that, that they need to do some form of movement training. And then also, if you're working closely with players, um, helping them work out what their strengths and weaknesses are, it is huge. It is huge because all of a sudden, a player then goes, hey, Ernie, Ernie knows, um, he knows me, he gets me. He, he genuinely wants to see me do well. And he's, we've, together we've worked out that I need to improve this area and he's helping me improve in it by doing X, Y, Z. So just to, you know, just quickly go over what I believe you need to do. It's get a bit of education around what players generally need to be doing so you've got a good understanding and you can almost um, give them some practical things that they can do. And second of all would be, yeah, just working out players' strengths and weaknesses and, and helping them understand them and move towards improving the weaknesses. Yeah, I'm really glad that you mentioned, you, know, you keep mentioning that, you know, evaluating yourself and figuring out where you're strong, where you're weak. Because, I mean, uh, you know, we a lot of times we can fall into the trap of just keeping our workouts very general and things like that. But, you yeah. know, it's, it's really good to to target, you know, those areas and really work them out and, and get them stronger. Um, like, oh, you yeah. know, for, for me, like my 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 left calf and um, hamstrings, I, I, those can be a bit weaker than the rest of my body so you know gotta you talk about you talk about cars and hamstrings i mean you're a lot younger than than me i've been very blessed not not to to i've only ever had one injury in my whole career and i tore my calf once and that was just because i mismanaged my shoe transition um I, i was wearing and it was the sport i was playing but anyway and i think that comes down to i probably know what i'm doing right so i've prevented a lot of injuries um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like in, in, as we start to get a little bit older, I know you're still a, a, a young guy, um, but calves, Thanks. definitely, definitely calves and hamstrings, I would say, and shoulders are the three mm-hmm. areas that most people have problems with. So uh, if they are, look, but honestly, you can turn these around, even if you've had, they've been problematic areas for you for a decade, you can still turn them around. And just before we move on, regarding calves, a lot of people will go and see a physiotherapist. We call them in Australia. I think you guys just call them a, a therapist over there. And they'll get you doing some rehabilitation work, calf raises, and, and then that's fantastic. But what we call return to play is totally different. 
Now, you think if your calf's really strong, say you're going up and down really slow like this and it's strong, that's great. Mm-hmm. You know I encourage strength training. But when you're on court, it's doing this. Yeah. Sporadically, and then it starts to fatigue. The calf muscles are more endurance muscles, right? They're built to last. So you want to strengthen them, but then you've got to train them dynamically as well. You're not mm-hmm. training them dynamically. They can, they'll probably keep tearing, and that's what happens to a lot of people. They're mm-hmm. like, man, my calves are, are stronger than my 20-year-old child's. Why are they tearing? Because <laughs> you're, not, you're not getting used to the ballistic nature of tennis. So you've yeah. got to do some plyometric training as well. Does that 100%. make sense? Oh, 100%. I'm just thinking about my own case. Yeah, because my my, my calves, they look like strong oxes, you know, but yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, I've uh, I've pulled them a couple of times and I think it's yeah. exactly because of that. Just, you know, and then we get scarring too. We get, uh, we get some scarring too. And then, you know, the muscle doesn't like that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. I'm a scared or scarred young man, I tell you. we'll fix it we'll fix it my friend don't worry um let's see here hermano great job as always um for both of us really um thank you and then this is peter freeman uh who you know uh will you work out with me yeah yes sure i'll i'll work out with you you. we we gotta follow we gotta follow Follow nathan's protocols that's right that's right that's right uh richard eating fair it's good to eat Kind of hungry yeah. myself. Uh, probably, uh, you want a bit of feedback on eating? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> probably a topic for another time. Probably. Yeah. Um, but let's see. Tr. Hello. So many friends having Achilles issues. Any yeah. tips on exercises to minimize risk of those yeah, injuries? Yeah. Nice one. Yeah, I've done a lot of work with this. Um, obviously, I'm I am not a doctor or physiotherapist, but I, you know, we talk about return to play. Um, I've actually got a a doubles pro that I work very closely with and she's yeah, had Achilles problems for a while. She's six foot three, really long mm-hmm. levers. Um, this just popped up out of nowhere. And yeah, look, the, the best way to, with the ankle joint, we've got to keep the ankle joint mobile. So we want to do, if everyone can have a look at this exercise, there's a lot of the, um, examples of this on YouTube, etc. called knee to wall. It's a knee to wall a mobility exercise. I'll explain it to you quickly. It's just basically put your hands on the wall, your foot, your front foot. So you almost step one foot in front of the other. You keep your foot on the ground. That's super important. And then you're just keeping your foot on the ground and you push your knee over your foot. So your knee's going forward. And what it does is it really opens up down through the Achilles and down into the ankle joint. Mm. Okay. So it's actually one of the tests that we use in some of our programs called a knee to wall test and we give people a gauge. You know, if you're sitting underneath, if you can't get your knee, uh, your foot close, like if it's more than, I'm going to talk in centimetres here, sorry, but if you can't get your foot more than 10 centimetres away, so your toe line to the wall isn't further than 10 centimetres away, then you need to improve that range. That's That would be step one to assess that. Then we want to get the ankle joint mobile and then strengthening the calves is important. Releasing, I'm going to go back, sorry. So we want to release. So we want to get underneath your foot. So we've got what's called the plantar fascia underneath your foot. So the arch of your foot, you want to go on like a lacrosse ball or a hockey ball or something like that. And I'm talking like, don't, don't be nice to the foot. You got to think the ball's like, the ball's trying to inflict some pain here. This ball Dang. doesn't like your foot. They're enemies. Right, mm. and the foot just has to take it, and you got to push down. You got to release that fascia because that wraps all the way up, up behind the the heel of the foot. We've got to release that off to help release the tension. 
Then you want to roll out, so using a foam roller through the calves. Okay, so we first we release the tension. If we're just trying to strengthen something that's already tight and it's potentially going to get a bit tighter, so we want to release, okay, roll under the fascia, roll through the calves, stretch your calf out, just do a wall calf stretch, and then you want to do some calf raises. Uh, and that's just a real quick overview of what you need to do. There's some basic protocols okay. for you. That that's gold. That's gold. Thanks a lot, um, Nathan. Really appreciate that. It's awesome. Um, let's see. This one may not be pertinent. I want to quit tennis, but I don't know. It's a bit difficult after playing since I was eleven. Did you ever uh, think about quitting uh, quitting tennis or anything? Any any quick sage words there? Um, I think I think Nicholas, you've just got to ask yourself, like, you know, why do you want to quit? What what's what's causing you to feel like quitting? Um, if it's time, if it's money, if it's, you know, you're not enjoying it. Um, if you, if you're not enjoying it, why aren't you enjoying it? If you used to love it, what's changed? So I'd be asking myself those questions before you, you know, before you jump off the boat, we don't want you to do that. Just ask yourself those questions and sit down and even just write some things out. You know, why do I want to stop tennis? A, B, C, D, E, and then just spend a bit of time just thinking about them. You know, you might need to change your environment. You know, you might need to go to a different club or find some, a different group of people to play with. Maybe you need to set some goals to help motivate you. All those things will help. Great stuff. Thanks a lot for that. Hermano, uh, I'm 48 years old, um, fit, uh, but my toes get too sore. Sometimes I refrain from pushing up jumping mm. on my serve. Mm. Any advice you can ask the man, Nathan, or that you would recommend? Thanks. I'm 48 too, mate, but I'm lucky my toes are okay. I, I actually do have a problem with my big right toe. It's, it comes and goes and it's a bit of lack of mobility. Now, this, this Hermano, it's really important for you to get, get this sorted out. I'll tell you why. Particularly our big toes, they dramatically affect our acceleration and also our balance. Okay, so um, you want to get that sorted out. Now, I'm not sure exactly what's going on with your toes, if it is all your toes or it's just a few of them, but a couple of simple, simple basic things that you need to look at is like the footwear that you're using. Um, is it the right size? Is that shoe suitable for you? So you may even be worthwhile going to see a podiatrist. They're going to be the best person to say, hey, you should be using ASICs tennis shoes or you should be playing in Nikes or whatever the case because your foot's too narrow for those ones and it's pushing your foot too far forward. It could, it could be a case of that because typically speaking, if, if it's a number of toes, I would say it's more footwear related. Um, I don't think it would be have anything to do with your mechanics um, of how you're running, etc. And the other thing to consider is like your, your genetic profile. Like if you have contact still with brothers and sisters, parents, anyone in your gene line that you can say, hey, do you have any problems with your toes? Because sometimes it could be arthritic. It could be, you know, something along those lines as well. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Great advice there. Appreciate that. Um, hopefully that helps, hermano. Uh, Robert, Nicholas, don't Robert, quit. I, like I didn't that. start... Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, it's it's a great sport, lifelong sport. Keep keep yeah. playing. You got to take good care work, of yourself. Robert, good encouragement there, and I I agree. I agree, Nicholas. You hang in there and just go through you know a couple of those things I mentioned to you, and uh, you know you'll make a decision from there. That's right. That's right. Good stuff. Let's see. Okay, I think uh, getting some good yeah. questions through here. Love it. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, no, it's just great. You know, speaks to, you know, the, the topic and your great knowledge there. Um, I guess um, at this point, I do want to mention again uh, about the the program that, yep. that I, I, I put out there. So, well, Nathan has created and I've been promoting. So Nathan's uh, and Giselle's uh, Tennis Speed, Agility and Power Program. I put the link in the description. Again, like I mentioned, a lot of people have, have gotten it already. You have, I've emailed it out to my list and, and people have been snapping it up. Yeah. So um, great stuff here. You know, you've seen uh, the amazing wealth of knowledge that Nathan has. And, um, you know, it's got very affordable programs. If you click the link and check it out and it'll mm-hmm. help you a lot, give you mm-hmm. a, you know, a really solid step-by-step uh, program to, to help your um, speed, agility, and power. So uh, check out the link below for sure. Oh, actually- hey, yeah. Just on that, so just on that program. So whenever we create any of our programs, we at at the core of why we do what we do, it's it's it being like genuine with you right now, right? It, it's to help players perform better. It's to help them feel better on court. To help them, particularly for me, prevent injuries. I hate seeing people in pain. Yeah. Because I've worked with so many players and I know someone shows up for a session, I think, oh, this is going to be the best session. Last week they did this, today we're going to do that. We're going to blow it out of the park and they show up and they go, oh, my ankle hurts. And you go, oh, we can't, we can't do what we're going to do. It restricts our progress so much being injured. So that's yeah. sort of where we're at with our program. Now the Speed, Agility and Power program, we call it our SAP program, Speed, Agility, Power, right? So... It's really aimed at anyone that wants to improve their their general movement on court and their ability to back up point after point after point. Um, it's super user friendly, and look, we get great feedback from that program. Hence, why you know I, I probably recommended that one for you to share with your community, and we'll get some feed, feedback from them as well. But hey, guys, look, don't be afraid to to jump in and and give give the program a go. I think you'll get great results, and we're going to tick off a lot of boxes we've just, we've chatted over today as well. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, definitely check it out. Um, click the link and yep. take a look. It'll be really good for you. Um, maybe we'll try to sneak this question in here. Uh, I've got a match at nine actually, but I'm 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 good. It's not too far away for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, tennis junkie man. You're getting it um, done, I'll, man. You're getting it yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah, I'll make sure to do that uh, dynamic warm-up before, of course. Please um, do. Yes, sir. Um, for sure. But let's see, Vish, any tips for 11-year-old juniors? My son has been playing for two years. He loves it, but he's more focused on hitting slash play- playing yeah. rather than yeah. fitness, speed, agility. Any tips? Yeah, great question, Vish. And this is very typical for a young player. Um, so I mentor about 40, 40 young players from around the world, um, quite serious players. You know, they, they want to have a career in tennis. And a lot of them come into the picture early on. It's the parents that that sort of um, start the process with us. And once I speak to the players and educate them on the importance of it and and they'll they'll give it a go. They'll go, okay, I'll do a bit of stretching, I'll do a bit of strength work and I'll do some court movement training, okay, a few times a week. Then all of a sudden they start to notice a difference and that's when the parent and the coach comes into play and goes, oh, wow. You know, Johnny, I can't believe how much better you're moving and you look so much better on the court, your posture's better. Then they get encouragement, they get motivation and they want more. So start with something that you know that they, they'll be happy to try. Encourage them through it. Don't push anything on them because eventually they'll get to a point where the maturity kicks in and they'll go, hey, I need to be doing this. But we want to start the process before that. If we start when they realise I'm injured, 
or everyone else is getting faster and stronger. We've missed the boat a little bit. It's hard to catch up. We get in now, then all of a sudden we get to the point where the maturity kicks in and the motivation's there. They're already two steps in front. Gotcha, gotcha. Awesome, awesome. Thanks, uh, Nathan. Um, let's see here. I guess any um, any places that you want the, the audience to, to check out, you know, any, I don't know, just like social media, like, you know, accounts or websites or whatever. Yeah, yeah, we've got our, our, our Facebook and um, Tennis Fitness AU and the same on Instagram. Um, people can find us there, check out, you know, what we're doing. And our website's, you know, tennisfitness.com. I think you've, you've circulated that out to people. And, yeah, people can check us out there. And, you know, I know you've got to get going, but I just wanted to say to, to your community and to you, look, I absolutely love what you do. I did used to do a range of, of summits. I used to probably do about, I think, three or four a year now. I've just, just run them with yours. I love your professionalism. I love your community. And I just want to encourage anyone out there that's watching this now or in the future, just, you know, stick, stick with these guys, uh, the Tennis Files, and, and in particular the Summit. Get yourself to that. You'll get lots of great information from so many experts in the industry. And, uh, yeah, thanks for, for tuning in. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks so much, Nathan, for the kind words. And yeah, just again, kudos for all the great work you've been doing. You've got so much great experience with the top yeah. athletes in the world. And and um, yeah, everybody check out definitely, um, you know, the link that we put in there for you. And yeah, Nathan, looking forward to having you back on for some Let's more content Let's do it again soon, in the man. I've, I've loved this. Yeah. I've loved it. I'm, I'm keen. And we'll, we'll, maybe we'll just pick one topic and we'll, we'll smash it out and uh, get get some more questions in. Thanks for Thanks for jumping in, everyone. Really appreciate it. Yeah, wonderful. We'll do that for sure. Thank you, everyone. Take care. Okay. God bless, guys. See ya. Bye. Bye. All right. I really hope you enjoyed my interview slash Q&A with Nathan Martin from Tennis Fitness. Nathan, thanks so much for coming on to the show. And definitely, again, I encourage you to get Nathan and Giselle's Tennis Speed, Agility, and Power Program. And you can do that by going to the show notes page and clicking the link there. Also, want to thank you for listening. And um, if you got value from this episode, then I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review for the Tennis Files podcast. And you can do that at tennisfiles.com slash Apple Podcasts with an S at the end. Or you can just leave a review in your podcast app of choice that you use to listen to the show. Uh, we just find that Apple Podcasts contributes the most in terms of visibility for the show. So try and do it on that one if you can. Otherwise, any platform is much appreciated. Also want to leave you with a quote as I do at the end of every show, and this one is by Rick Charlesworth, and Rick said, the interesting thing about coaching is that you have to trouble the comfortable and comfort the troubled. Really like that quote, um, pretty deep and really cool how it's, you know, kind of putting the words uh, the opposite way in the second instance, but it really does work and apply very well, especially trouble the comfortable because people get too comfortable and they never get out of their comfort zone, and then they don't really accomplish anything meaningful. So there you go. So with that, uh, thank you, Rick. And thank you to all of you listening um, to you, and I uh, really appreciate it, and looking forward to bringing you more helpful content per usual. So with that, thanks and take care. Talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.